This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, it is a hot day for M&A. No deal is bigger than AT&T's $85 billion bid for Time Warner. Dana Mattioli and Miriam Gottfried are here to break it down. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast. Paul and Stephen here in the studio, joined today by Heard on the Street columnist Miriam Gottfried, sitting to my right, and uh, just across the control panel from me here, Dana Mattioli of the Deals team. How are you both? Doing well. Great, thanks. Doing well. And uh, I had a nice, relaxing weekend. <laughs> and you were, Miriam, apparently on a beautiful vacation. I was, and then I got I mean, an go- email about AT&T. Yeah, <laughs> and it was, was kind of was, like, oh, here's my vacation coming say, but, to an but, end. Uh, Dana, you were probably working all weekend. The deals team got no sleep this weekend. <laughs> I can imagine, right? You guys were jam-packed all weekend. Uh, if you're walking in today, Monday, folks, and you're seeing, oh, there's a lot of M&A deals. Yeah, there no were a lot of M and A deals, By the including way, one. <laughs> yeah, gross. I just think you're cutting. You're, you're you're selling yourself short here, Paul. You wrote a wonderful Walking Dead, uh, <laughs> you know, you, wrap you know up what? of the, of the season premiere. You're right, gross. I was slaved. I was slaved. working too. That hey, that is part of my job. That is work. That is not entertainment. That's work. Yeah, yeah uh, but that's not that. that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about the deals. Uh, really big deals weekend, right? Yeah, it's um, one of the biggest on record. There were at least five mega mergers or multi-billion dollar deals mm-hmm. this weekend. And AT&T, the, m- the most visible and the biggest. But then right. there was Rockwell Collins buying BE Aerospace and the Genworth deal. They got sold to the Chinese. So there was a lot going on just a few weeks before the election. In <laughs> fact, a week. if you go back a week, this is the biggest uh, week of deals since uh, 1999. That's right. That's amazing. Wow. Is there a reason? Is there some reason? Is it time? I mean, are these all just coincidental? It's coincidental, but it's also strange timing. Yeah. Typically, if you're a CEO of a publicly traded company, you want to see who's the president before you go inking a big mm-hmm. strategic deal because you don't know how that's going to affect your industry, the regulatory environment. To, to see so many deals happen on the same weekend and some of them so big, right. um, it's very strange. I think that signals, you know, that that I was thinking about this exact thing, and I think it signals that executives are pretty certain about who's going to win the election and that they think of it as being, you know, that, you know, Hillary's election will be a, will mean sort of a continuation of current regulatory right. policies. Right. And so that they're sort of planning, they're banking on dealing with the same regulators that they're dealing with now. No, we, we've talked a lot about this in the markets where there's been like sort of this decline in volatility. Um, in the VIX. And one of the arguments is not just that, you know, hit the, the market's expecting Hillary to win, but it's also that, you know, the Democrats probably won't take the House. There's, that's the sort of can, seems to be the building belief in the market. So that could be the sort of the similar view of the CEOs that, like, we're going to have gridlock and status quo. But even so, you know, last year yeah. this time, no, it, it wouldn't have phased me that there were five big deals. Right. This year has been kind of quiet. We're down 20 percent off of last year's pace. It hasn't been this robust of a year. So well, to see so do, much happen now. Do you think then the the sort of um, inverse argument becomes that 
a lot of these executives went, were holding off because they weren't sure of what the election was going to turn out to be. And that maybe some of these deals, if this wasn't an election year or if it seemed certain earlier, that maybe some of these deals would have happened earlier. And it's the, the coincidental reason is now because the election seems clear. Could be the case. I spoke I, I to know. the CEO of um, TD Ameritrade today. He bought Scott Trade. It got mm-hmm. announced this morning. And I, I asked him about the timing. And he said the election did not come into play at all hmm. in terms of his thinking. Yeah. So I think that says something. So the, the AT&T deal, uh, just reading some of the stories, I mean, just the the banks and the law firms, just the people involved in this deal alone, because it's a huge deal. I mean, $85 billion, more than $100 billion with debt. I mean, a lot of firms were involved. This this is a feeding frenzy, this one. It will be a huge payday. And yeah. it, it's really um, reshaped the league tables that banks mm-hmm. use to, you know, to use in their marketing materials to say how well they've done. Mm-hmm. Goldman was number one in the U.S. as of Friday, and they missed the AT&T deal. Now they're three. Wow. wow. And Morgan um, Stanley shoots the top, yeah, who right? Shot exactly. Morgan, Morgan Stanley? Stanley, followed by JPM yeah. and Goldman. Goldman's still number one globally, we should mm-hmm. note. So does this, uh, I mean, does does this week of deals change things on the M&A landscape for Wall Street fundamentally? Oh, well, I mean, that, I mean, that's probably more of a question for Dana. I don't, you know, I don't know that it would change things. It's just sort of why did they why did they all come at once yeah. <laughs> you know well i mean it, this place i mean on most of these deals and even i mean in some ways the time worn or AT&T deal feels like a vertical deal but in many ways it's it's actually the sort of very typical of the deals we've been seeing in the media space um you know recently but most of these deals are grabbing sort of size and trying to grab market share which is been the the driving force of deal making last year and the year before that, especially like you'd see it in healthcare, and you know so I you know in a, in a slow economy where you're having one or two percent growth, you know you're the only way you can grow is to take market share. I think it could start sort of a feeding frenzy in the media space if you look yeah. at what happened last yeah. year. Health insurers had never really been combining, and then it right. took one big deal. And then all of a sudden, everyone was looking at each other, and you know, a field of big five big insurers went to three. Mm-hmm. Same thing, semiconductors. We never wrote about semiconductor deals. Last year was the highest on record after one big one happened, and everyone sort of sized up the landscape. So I think today, if you're a, you know a media CEO or even a telecom CEO, you come in and you look at this deal and you say, "What does it mean for me? Yeah. What should we be buying?" Right. But then again, I said that I argued that you know when um, Charter, well, first when Comcast was first looking at buying Time Warner, Time Warner Cable. I should specify among the Time Warners, <laughs> right. um, that that would spark the feeding frenzy of media deals. And it was quiet still. And, you know, I said maybe maybe Fox first bidding on Time Warner, the media company, mm-hmm. would have sparked the feeding frenzy of media deals. And we didn't see it. And now maybe maybe this is the one that sparks it. Um, it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say what's finally going to do. I think we have CBS and Viacom, which had already been pretty close to um, probably coming to a deal because, you know, when you have your your majority shareholders saying, please do a deal, you kind of don't have much of a choice. <laughs> um, but besides that, it'll be interesting to see what it means for media well, the, um, in this, terms of consolidation. This one's sort of interesting because it is the old, the, you know, this has been, as long as media sort of existed, there's been this sort of distribution versus content. And this is combining the two. And that those deals haven't had a great history of success, AOL, 
Time Warner being the prime example of this. So it will be interesting if this sparks more of that sort of vertical, those vertical types of deals where this is distribution and content. Yeah, I mean, together. I think we, we, are, we see two companies that are at the forefront of that trend. There's Comcast and there's AT&T. Right. Comcast already did the deal to buy NBC Universal a number of years ago, so it owns its content piece. What it's missing that AT&T has is a wireless component. And so I've written recently that I think Comcast will be starting to look at potentially buying T-Mobile. Um, you know, Comcast is experimenting right now with the wireless offering that's coming up soon and will soon be launched. And um, a lot of analysts say, oh, this kind of arrangement that they have to rent Verizon's network to do with their wireless offering isn't going to be sustainable as a real wireless offering, that they'll need to buy a wireless asset. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe you know, once, once AT&T gets its content asset, maybe that means Comcast needs to get its wireless asset. Uh, if, if they get it, because this is going to go yeah, through a huge, that's, huge regular. That's true. Let's, mm-hmm. But before we jump into that, because now, now there's so much to talk about with just this deal, and we want to do that. But let's take a quick break. The four of us will we'll take a breath, and then we'll dive into the, the myriad factors on the AT&T Time Warner deal. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington and on the campaign trail. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. And and look, folks out there, I know you listen to this podcast and we love the fact that you listen to it. But if you want more great podcasts from the Wall Street Journal, you can find us at wsj.com slash podcasts. lot to offer you out there. Heard on the street, which uh, our friend Miriam Gottfried is on. Yeah. Are you that? No, you I'm, I'm, the host. I'm the host. I'm the host. You're yeah. the host. Yeah. Yeah. I was on vacation for the last couple of weeks, so you didn't That's hear my Steve voice. But yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, be back this so Thursday. Heard on the street. Speakeasy. Uh, free for all. Your money matters. Tech news briefing. WSJ opinion, and of course, Money Beat. You can find us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts, and you can subscribe. You get all of these. They will come to you directly. You don't even have to go looking for them. If you subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and your Google Play Music app. We are here in the studio today talking about AT&T and Time Warner, big $85 billion deal. Dana Mattioli, Miriam Gottfried, Stephen Grosser, and myself. And we left it off. Uh, we, we kind of vaguely referenced the fact that this is going to have uh, a regulatory review, and, and that's probably putting it lightly. Big deal, different industries coming together, vertical integration well, like you talk is, about. But that's the interesting thing is typically if you have a vertical integration, you should have – there's less for regulators to be worried about on the antitrust front. However, right. if it, you know what we we saw this when you know Comcast you know bought NBC, that drew a lot of regulatory scrutiny. Yeah, and it took 13 months for regulators to approve that deal. Yeah. And this deal already is being commented on uh, by presidential candidates on the campaign trail. I mean, this is everyone is seeing this deal. But let me just say first, whatever politicians say doesn't really I mean it kind of matters it doesn't really matter that's not what really decides what happens in this deal this is a legal question that the justice department and potentially the FCC will be discussing and of course if you're a politician you're not going to be out there saying I love it when mega companies get together it's great for consumers you know anyway but maybe Dana has something to say about it. well it isn't the best regulatory environment right i mean we've seen a number of deals been being struck down this year um 
one of them staples office depot where they mm-hmm. tried to argue that there are all these online onlys that have the same products as they do amazon's a big player on the scene and the fcc was against that we saw allergan pfizer fall apart this year because of the anti-inversion laws so if when you speak to deal makers and you speak to ceos you get a lot of grumbling about the antitrust environment so it's interesting to see a big deal like yeah. this happen in light of that especially when they were burned a few years ago on t-mobile and had to pay a four billion dollar breakup fee yeah. yeah, this breakup fee is a little smaller. It's paltry. Yeah, <laughs> five hundred million we've reported. Um, so I think AT and T learned its lesson on that front. No, and, but it was also interesting. I mean, it gets to the point. I mean, with the T Mobile AT and T, you were talking about going from four, you know, uh, cell phone carriers to three. And you were talking about, you know, I think the two, Verizon and AT&T would have had something like 74% of the market share at that point. I mean, that that you can see an anti, or antitrust issue. Here, it's it's a little bit not as clear. Yeah, because, I mean, well, Time Warner and AT&T do not compete with each other. They do not offer the same products. But AT&T is a customer of Time Warner, and that... You know, is where the tricky. Well, is, is it less about antitrust itself than it is about what this is going to mean for consumers? Right. I mean, that's what I see the the, the stories talking about. Is this going to be good for consumers? Is this deal going to lead to more choices, cheaper options, all that stuff? I mean, it seems like that's going to be the real. And I know that ties into antitrust and monopoly issues, but. I mean, it's also the delivery. I think that's a. I, it's I mean, the, it's the just delivery. because these are different industries doesn't right. mean that that's well, not how a is that going to affect question. The question is, how is that going to affect consumers? And right. that's what we need to get to. Exactly. How, how is a deal like this? How? What were the concerns with GE, uh, NBC, and Comcast? And, and Comcast. And, and one of the things is, you know, is the delivery of content. I mean, is Comcast going to favor its, you know, programs over, or is, you know, AT&T going to favor Time Warner programming right. and Time Warner channels over, you know, rivals, things like that? Right. And I mean, and, and if Comcast NBC is any guide, the regulators will prohibit that. They will say you have to negotiate with um, Time Warner at arm's length. And uh, Time Warner has to continue to do similar deals with other companies that buy content. Um, and can't do favorable deals with you. Um, but, you know, then that begs the question of what is the real advantage for Time Warner or for at and in owning mm-hmm. Time Warner? Yeah, and, and what is the real advantage? I mean, wh- I guess it all starts revolving around the question of why are they doing this deal? That's the question. Why, why are they, I mean, clearly they both find it advantageous, but but why? What is the well, what is the benefit to so the corporation? One thing is content costs are rising. Uh, they you know not as much. That's not as much of a thing as that people talk about anymore. But this does allow AT and T as a as the number one distributor of pay TV to hedge against the rising content costs because it is will become a beneficiary of rising content mm-hmm. costs. But, you know, we have seen in the past year or so since um, Disney came out and said, yes, you know, ESPN subscribers are declining. Media investors have become very wary about the future of media companies and the future of pay TV. And what does that mean for their ongoing value? So, I mean, I don't know that you can necessarily say, um, you know, I'm. I'm going to be if if you're betting on what the future of TV is, you can't necessarily say that what you pay for the performance of Time Warner today is going to be worthwhile a few years from now. Yeah. And how high will the hurdle be for them to make this deal work? I mean, it, you said it at the beginning, Grosser, like 
these deals, big, big deals like this, especially have a history of kind of not being so hot. So, no, so no. you know, I mean, I mean mergers in general, I mean, mergers in general have a high bar to, you know, to overcome. I mean, the the running number, and I don't know whether this is sort of, you know, one of these numbers you just hear constantly, is 75% of all mergers fail. Whether that is, you know, remotely close to accurate, I don't know. But there is, obviously, it, it is perhaps the riskiest thing a CEO does. And especially the bigger the price tag, the bigger the risk. I think the thing also for AT&T, which has been a, a serial acquirer, is if it's allowed to buy Time Warner, that's pretty much it. I don't think regulators are going to allow it to buy anything else. So that means you really have to become a good operator. And if you're making a big bet on the future of pay TV and that goes awry, you're kind of stuck. You can't really do a lot more big deals to pull yourself out of that position, which is a risk for investors. I think there was also a sense in the landscape that if, if you didn't pull the trigger on this deal, someone else was going to. You know, Fox had already made a pass at it. Apple had been eyeing it. So if you're a CEO sitting in that seat and you feel competitive pressure, mm-hmm. you speed things up and, and you might, you know, rationalize right. things that you, you might have wanted to have more time to think about. Well, and then and then who – okay, so this deal happens. Maybe somebody else comes in and, and makes a better offer. Probably not. But, I mean, you know, you talked about executives waking up this morning and say, what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. Who's next in the crosshairs then? I mean, there's always talk about someone like Netflix, which has their own great content, right, yeah. and, and which is um, a perennial uh, takeover target. There are other, um, you know, over-the-top types of companies that create content. So I think everyone's probably eyeing the landscape and, and sizing people up. Yeah. So everyone's a target. Well, not everyone. I mean, one interesting no? thing about Time Warner and the reason that it was a target was it doesn't have a major shareholder who controls its shares. So, you know, among old media companies, that's fairly rare. Disney's the only other one, and it's a pretty big bite for any company yeah. to take. So Time Warner was really an ideal target in that sense. Um, and, you know, Netflix could potentially be that. I think the big question with Netflix is, is anyone willing to pay the multiple of earnings that it currently trades at, which is very steep because it's a, you know it's a growth company. It's in the early phases. What 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 is causing this convergence? Because I mean, you just mentioned it. Apple is looking at you know Time Warner. I mean, Apple, AT and T. I mean, you know, everyone's converging on this on the same area um, of media. And you know, I was wondering you know why that is, and I think that's something that you probably can answer better than anyone in the area. So I think, um, you know, people are looking at what we're doing with our phones. That is what that's where the growth is happening. And we're all starting to watch more video on our phones. And that's where TV is moving. So everybody I mean, it's not it's not a very recent trend that tech has been very interested in getting a piece of TV. And they've tried and failed with various attempts. You know, we have Apple TV, but that's not really an Apple TV service, which Apple, you know, we've reported over and over again, has been trying to launch. So, you know, some people say maybe Apple or Google need to go out and buy a media company to help them launch a service to sort of control advertising on, you know, you know, control advertising or, or control um, viewership on the next platform, on the mobile device. Um, so whether you're an advertising company like Google or a handset maker like Apple, that's appealing to you. But the problem is that 
you know, I don't think buying a media company really necessarily helps Apple or Google get there because they only own one media company. And if you want to yeah. have a full slate of offerings, that's not going to get you there. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's it's an interesting conundrum that they've been trying from all sides to attack. Is a Hulu drawing interest? So Hulu's already owned by a conglomerate right. of three media companies. And um, it is preparing to launch an Internet TV service of its own that will be sort of similar to what AT&T is preparing to launch via DirecTV. And that will be sort of similar to what Google and Apple have been trying to launch. And soon we'll have a whole bunch of these sort of skinny Internet bundles and probably, it, you know, there won't be one that sort of wins the day. You know, we already have Dish out there with Sling TV. So there's there's already so many of these offerings. Consumers are kind of confused about what each one of them gives you. Um, and then, you know, there are more on the horizon. And I think all of this will become kind of diffuse. And it, will, it remains to be seen how anyone's going to really, you know, capitalize on this. But AT&T has a lot on the line now, so they better do something in order to yeah. justify th- these uh, deals. One thing I found really interesting, and if uh, you folks didn't see it, the weekend paper, WSJ, the weekend paper, on the front page, the the graphic talking. Did you guys see this? I'm sure you saw it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw. It. It's just. It's really fascinating. If you can go get a copy of the weekend paper or find this online, it, it is a graphic of AT and T and Time Warner through the years and the companies they've bought, the companies they divest, and it starts actually at, in 1984, which is when AT and T, if you recall, if you're old enough to recall out there. Was was Ma Bell was the biggest monopoly in the country in the history <laughs> of this country? It was the biggest monopoly. Gets broken up, s- splits up into seven the baby bells. Now four of them are AT and T again, mm-hmm. and now here we are. This company that dates back to 1877 was a massive monopoly. Got broken up. Now on the verge of again trying to become a massive monopoly. You got to take it all it apart amazing. and put it back together again to make well, money for your shareholders. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that 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 yeah. that's and Time Warner. Banks. Yeah. Time Warner is like I mean like well, is is in the part is doing the exact opposite. Right. I Time mean, Warner used to have Time Warner Cable, Time Inc. But the beautiful thing about Time Warner, and you should get the book that talks about uh, you know the history of time. It and, and in fact starts as um, a funeral parlor on the Upper West Side. <laughs> Um, and then that moved into parking lots, into rental cars, into Warner, and, and you know, and it, it just built up from like you know, I think that was starting in the fifties um, to when Warner Communications bought Time, which was another landmark deal um, from another era. Wow, it is it is really crazy, and you have to homes. question it because Time, you know, Jeff Bukas at Time Warner has spent a lot of time carving off all of these businesses to sort of free Time Warner as an asset, and that's part of what's made it an attractive takeover candidate. But, I mean, if it was so great for a cable company and a media company to be tied up, maybe he should have kept Time Warner Cable. Right. I don't know. It's, right. You know, it all goes back around in circles. But, but it is fascinating. I mean, this is just, this is Wall Street's business. Build these things up, take them back right. down. Right, one year it's in vogue to it's, be a right. pure play, and the next it's you need scale and you need to diversify, and we see these like different iterations of companies yeah. becoming bigger and smaller over time. It is really something. Uh, all right, well, I guess that's... Anything else we missed? Well, the Dana, shareholder Dana. reaction, I think... I think oh, yes, yes. Yeah. thank really you. Skeptical yes. Yeah, yeah. The deal of, getting approval. of the deal getting approval. Both right. stocks are down. Stocks are down. I mean, you look at uh, – we were looking at the analyst notes this morning. A lot of skepticism 
about whether this deal will amount to anything? And in general, um, when we see deals happening, shareholders don't like when companies strike deals outside of their ballywick. I mean, when you yeah. When, um, SoftBank bought a semiconductor company a few months ago. <clears throat> Stock tanked. There's mm-hmm. people say this isn't your core competency. Why are you stepping outside the box? Yeah. And I think you know maybe that's something that Apple would have thought about when it was kicking the tires at Time Warner. It's a, always a risk when you're going into a brand new business, or you know, you know we know that AT and T doesn't have any experience b- running a content company. So right. what does that mean for the value of these companies? And the other thing too that's interesting, and speaking to your point earlier about whether this was going to you know set off a wave of mergers within the media industry. I mean, the skepticism might actually be the reason why it doesn't. People are going to wait and see how this unfolds before they make any sort of decisions. That's fair. Yeah. All right. What do you think? Leave it there? Leave it there. I think we leave it there. We have taken up enough of uh, the good the, the time of you good people out there listening. Thank you very much. Dana Mattioli. Thank you, Miriam Gottfried. Thank you. As always, everyone, thanks for listening, and we will catch up with you later this week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.